We're going to read from Genesis chapter 39 now, um, continuing on the story of Joseph. And this is what it said. Familiar words. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Well, good morning. Um, it's great to, to be with you uh, this morning in worship, and as we, um, we come to, uh, to think a little bit more about this, this story, um, this, this new series um, that we're doing on the life of Joseph, um, I pray that we'll be, we'll be blessed as we kind of look at this story that maybe we're, we feel we're very familiar with, uh, but there's a lot in here that can, uh, that can surprise us and maybe we haven't seen before, so hopefully you'll see a bit of that today. Um, but as I said, we, we, this story is one that we're, we're all reasonably familiar with. We, um, we've maybe seen it in, in Sunday school. We've, we've, we've heard the story lots of times. Or maybe we've watched that wee film. There's a wee DreamWorks movie where Ben Affleck is Joseph. Um, he can do it all, Batman and Joseph. You know, it's quite a good combination. Or maybe when you think of Joseph, you think of, of Jason Donovan or Donny Osmond or Philip Schofield for some weird reason. Um, and the musical, Joseph and his, and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. And right now, in your head, you're sitting going, and it was red and yellow and green and brown and... No? No? Okay. Um, just me. But I'm, I'm going to suggest that there's a lot more going on in this, this incredible story of, of God working through this... this uh, or bringing about his plan for salvation through the, the family of, of Abraham and this fallen, broken descendants... And we know that, that it's from the line of, of Judah, Joseph's brother, that we see God fulfill that, that promise of a Messiah, a Savior for this broken world and for us broken people. But the story of Joseph isn't just important because of the, the amazing results of God working through this family down through the ages until we get to that, that perfect moment in history where Jesus appears. It's also a story of how God can work through, through all people and in all situations, to do his kingdom work. We've seen Joseph's family, and they're a bit of a mess. They've got their problems and their issues, and as we saw last week, Joseph, perhaps as the, the favorite son, this, this young guy of, of 17, he's granted dreams by the, the God of his, his father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather, Abraham. He maybe has a wee touch of pride about him. Not helped by what his dreams reveal to him, that one day his brothers and even his mother, uh, or even his mother and father, are going to bow down before him. It's understandable that that's possibly going to go to the head of a 17 year old fella. 
But that's not all we see about Joseph's character. As Christoph pointed out last week, even in that 17-year-old Joseph, we see this incredible faithfulness. So far, we've seen it demonstrated in his attitude towards his father and that he, he went and did what his father asked. He journeyed those, those 50 miles at Jacob's request to find his brothers. And when they weren't there, he went another 15 miles so that he could do what his father asked of him. And from what we see of Joseph, this, this faithfulness must also have been a big part of his spiritual life. It's hard to know what that, that looked like in the time before there, was a, before there was a Bible, before there was any Scriptures. He will undoubtedly have been taught about, about this God who has made himself known to his family, who has made this, this covenant with his great-grandfather to give him a land and a people, and has called him and his descendants to faithfulness. But we get almost no information about what this, this relationship might have looked like. Unlike Daniel, where we see this man of great prayer, unlike some of the other Old Testament characters like Moses, who is in constant communication with God, we don't really see any of that with Joseph. All we see in the story of Joseph, and all others in the story of Joseph see, is the results of that relationship. The life that Joseph leads because of that relationship. And I think that's important. You see, the, the vast majority of people we interact with over our lives, they may never see us in church. They may never get a look into what our devotional lives might look like. But what they will see are the results of that in our lives. What is at the core of our being? They will see the result of, of what our lives are all about, lived out through our actions, our attitudes, how we cope with, with adversity, how we cope under pressure how we cope with power. That's what people see. And one of the great things about this story of Joseph is it gives us an example of what a life lived out in faithfulness to God might look like and the impact it might have, God willing, and by His Spirit's help on the lives of the people around us. And this little section at the beginning of, of Genesis 39 which, if we're probably honest, we, we, we usually pass over pretty quickly to get to that bit with Potiphar's wife and the prison and all the good stuff that's in the story of Joseph. But in these six verses, there's some work going on that we shouldn't miss. God is at work by His Spirit in Joseph's life. Joseph is at work, living in a way that is faithful to God. And I think this verse has, has big implications for how we should be in our work. And before a lot of you switch off and think, well, I, 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 I'm past that stage in my life, or I don't do work, or I'm off work at the minute. When I say work, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about the nine to five. I mean the work that God has called us into, whether that's paid employment or voluntary work, studying, whether it's, it's raising kids or grandkids or someone else's kids, or whether it's just being salt and light to the people we meet in the shops and along the road, each day. God has given us all work to do. And this example God has given us of Joseph, it can really help us here. So Joseph is brought down to Egypt as a prisoner. It's at least a 15-day journey, bound and shackled, brought into a foreign land where he didn't speak the language, where he didn't know the customs, 
where he's totally alone, betrayed and almost murdered by those he loved. He's been taken away from the land that God has promised to his family, the people God has promised to use. He has gone from being the favorite son, having dreams of people bowing down before him, to this lowly slave. It'd be very easy, it'd be totally understandable for him to have given up on any sort of relationship with God or to fall into depression or anger. And yet verse 2 of that, that passage we read says this, the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. That relationship Joseph had with his God was strong. God was with him, helping him to trust that he was in control, even in this terrible circumstance, that he had everything in hand. And it seems this led led to Joseph working as if he was working for God himself. It's clear that Joseph worked hard as a slave in Potiphar's household. The, The Bible commentaries all seem to suggest that he would have likely started in the kitchens. That was usually the point of entry of a a new slave into a household. There it would have been unbearably hot, an Egyptian kitchen. He would have been set to work doing all the dirtiest jobs, being beaten for making mistakes, which probably would have been quite frequent, seeing as he didn't know the language or have a clue really about what was going on. But when we read those words, the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. We sometimes get this idea that, that Joseph was just sort of magicked up into this position of responsibility, that it was just like over a few days Joseph got raised up because, you know, God just made it all happen for him. That once he was in Potiphar's house, everything just went right for him. But we know that's not how life works. God was with Joseph, helping him to work hard to keep his faith and his focus on God over the long haul. It led to him doing an effective job. While the rest of the slaves in the household likely did what was required or worked only when they were being watched or threatened. I suppose that's quite similar to some of us in work, isn't it? We only do our work when we're being watched and then the rest of the time we're standing around the water cooler. Sorry, maybe that was just me when I was in work. Sorry, that's maybe a bad idea. Um, it's great now that we have to work one day a week. Um, But while they were doing that, Joseph was working hard. Joseph worked hard for his master, trusting that that everything he was doing was in God's hands. He must have quickly learned the language, not an easy feat. He showed his character and his faithfulness and how he completed his tasks, how well he cleaned that kitchen, how well he scrubbed those pots, how well he prepped that veg. And it was noticed And he gets promoted and promoted until eventually he ends up in charge of the entire household. This foreign slave ends up being the person running the whole household, second in charge only to Potiphar. Why? Well, we know that there's there's something there's something bigger going on here. We know Joseph was appointed and equipped by God for a special task to rescue his family from famine and lead to the beginning of this nation through whom Jesus is going to come. Being put in charge of of Potiphar's household was clearly a preparation for that much larger and more difficult task ahead of Joseph to steer the whole of Egypt through one of the worst famines in their history. 
but there's a lot more going on. Joseph doesn't achieve this role in Potiphar's household just because he's a hard worker. No, the Lord is with him. The Spirit of God is upon him. In the Old Testament, we see God at, at certain times for certain purposes pour his Spirit out on certain people to equip them for, for the work that he has called them to. The very same Spirit that those of us who have put our faith in Jesus have received. And we've just finished a series on the, on the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that, that God produces in the lives of his people. And it's very clear from, from reading the story of Joseph that that fruit of the Spirit, that godly character of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, well, they kind of perfectly sum up and describe the kind of man that Joseph is. And that's noticeable. Potiphar, an Egyptian, a pagan with his own beliefs, his own gods, even he notices that there's something different about this guy, Joseph. And that that character he had, the life he lived, it came from a, a power far beyond any that he knew or worshipped. Verse 3 says, His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. He saw the difference in the life of Joseph and he thought, the God of his people must be a great God indeed. We never see Potiphar come to, you know, we don't see this big story where Potiphar comes to believe in this God, but certainly he puts Joseph in a position where, where he's getting the benefit of this. And he's seeing that life, that life that Joseph is living. Would that not be an incredible thing? If people looked at us, the work that we do, the character that we show as we go about our, our daily lives with their, their ups and downs, and they said, wow, there's something, there's something different about the life that they lead. There's something different about them. What is it? There's something different about this, this faith that they talk about, this God that they follow. Maybe there's something to this. Joseph was able to lead this life without the Bible, without the knowledge of the, the finished work of Christ. Not because of how great he was, but because God was with him, strengthened his faith. And we live in a, a very different time to the time that Joseph lived in. But interestingly, Paul, in, in his letter to the Ephesians, when talking about Christian slaves and workers, he says some very similar things to what we see demonstrated by this life of, of Joseph. Ephesians 6, uh, verses 5 to 9 say this, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Paul's speaking here into a situation where both slaves and their masters were becoming Christians. 
And it seems that some of the Christian slaves were then sort of refusing to fulfill their roles. I'm not going to get into the the ethics and the discussion about slavery within Roman and Greek society, which by no means was a, a nice place to be, but also was probably very different from what we think of when we we first think of slavery. But it's interesting here that (coughs) Paul doesn't seem interested at this point in the the morality of the situation here. What he's much more interested in is how Christians live out their faith, both as slave and master, within the confines of, of this fallen world that he's living in. And in that, it's very interesting what he says, because he essentially says, being a good slave a good servant, a good worker, is the way we should live regardless of whether we are a slave or we're free. He suggests that in verse 8. He calls slaves and free free workers to the same high standards, to work and live and serve as if we are serving Christ himself, following the very example of Christ himself. He said in Luke twenty-two twenty-seven, I am among you as one who serves. Who demonstrated that in the, the washing of the disciples' feet, this task reserved for the lowest of servants in a household, and ultimately showing us that, that servant heart by going to the cross to take our sin and give those of us he brings to faith his righteousness so that we can be made right before our holy God. God himself became the slave and servant of us, his tiny little broken creations, in order that he could lift us out of death, the death that we've brought upon ourselves. Jesus comes to to serve others, and he calls us as his people to do the same. I wonder if, if that's why Paul here doesn't make a big deal about Christians continuing as slaves. Because what he's seeing here is this wonderful, amazing opportunity for them to be Christ-like examples to those they serve. And in fact, in those verses in Ephesians, he's saying to those who aren't slaves that they need to live and act in that same way, not to think of themselves as better. That in all we do, we need to work as if working for Christ himself and not for earthly masters or benefits, not slacking off when the boss isn't around, not trying to to please people or gain benefits for ourselves, but instead living out God's love and showing that Christ-like character. And you may never see the results of that. You may just be a, a link in a chain that God may use years later to eventually lead somebody to faith. But being that link in that chain for someone, being that Christ-like presence is so much bigger than all the promotions and bonuses in the world. I wonder, is Paul, this this ex-Pharisee, with his, his great knowledge of the Old Testament, when he was writing into this issue at Ephesus, I wonder, was he thinking back to the example of people like Joseph? who by God's Spirit shows us a Christ-like example of how to work and live for God without ever knowing anything about Christ. We've seen how, how God was at work in the life of Joseph, how Joseph worked hard because of his faithfulness to his God, 
And we've seen how Paul, when, when speaking about slaves and masters, calls us to live our lives and do our work as if we're doing it for Christ himself. But what does all this mean for us sitting here today? Well, I think the first thing is that we, we need to be careful not to read this particular story in isolation. Thinking that living for God is going to lead to everything we do prospering is kind of where we, we could very easily go with this story. That's what seems to happen for Joseph, isn't it? But at the end of the verses we've just read, Joseph is still a slave, and he's about to spend two years in prison. This story isn't about how well God blesses Joseph. It's about how well Joseph serves his God and the positive results of that as God uses him. God's purpose wasn't to bless Joseph with material things. He was going to do something much bigger than that. He was going to use him to save a nation, to rescue his people, God's chosen people, so that that line could continue all the way down to Jesus, the Savior of the world. That was the work that God called Joseph into. I wonder how aware of that he was as he was working in those kitchens as a slave, as he sat in prison wondering if he was going to be executed, even when he reaches those heights of being prime minister of all of Egypt. God still had much bigger plans, plans for him that he could never have even imagined and never saw the result of. God's Spirit using him through all of these experiences as he remained faithful and open to God's leading and guiding. So I wonder what work God has called you into. Where has he placed you right now? You might love where you're at right now and what you get up to every day, or it may not be particularly where you want to be. It may not be glamorous. It may not even be enjoyable. But for right now, that's where God has placed you. So live for him there. Be faithful to him in all that you do. Because if you are a Christian, then God's spirit is with you, just as it was with Joseph. Wanting you to grow that that Christ-like character in your life, to shine into the lives of others. So whatever your work is, whatever you do day to day, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not people. Be that salt and light in your little corner of the world that needs the life and light that Jesus brings. That just as as Potiphar saw something of the true God in Joseph's character and work, we pray that that people might see your Christ-like character and will by God's Spirit come to, to glorify their Father in heaven. I suppose the, the, the takeaway from this story of Joseph is simply this. No matter what your circumstances, no matter where life takes you, stay faithful because God is with you and God will bring you through. Let's pray.